What is going on, everybody? My name is Dan Romagno, and I'm the creator and host of the Past Less Traveled podcast. The Past Less Traveled podcast explores some of the most interesting places, persons, and events that you never knew you wanted to learn about. Each episode is an information-packed journey into some of the lesser-known histories of the world. With episodes ranging from ancient Macedonia to John Adams' role in the Boston Massacre, you will surely find a topic that piques your interest. Each episode is 10 to 20 minutes long, so you can fit this podcast into any part of your day. You could find The Past Less Traveled on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other platform you may use. You can also stay up to date with episode announcements and enjoy more history content on my Instagram at The Past Less Traveled, all one word, and on Twitter at The Past Less Traveled. That's P A S T L E S S T R A V E L D. Tune in weekly to get your fill of some of the most interesting places, persons, and events that you never knew you wanted to learn about. And remember, we are all trapped in history, and history is trapped in all of us. that they've lost literally all of their fucking hearing mm-hmm. from so much rocking. Yeah. yeah. Too much rocking. Yeah. yeah. No more rocking for you. Yeah. Too old to rock. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We On this week's episode, we got special guest Jack Black. <laughs> Chris, you gotta do a Jack Black Where voice. Go. Where to go, 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 rock. Yeah. Secret to my child. <laughs> Bye, Jack Black. Yeah. I gotta go. Uh, it's it's good to have a famous person yeah. just pop in, say a couple of yeah, lines. Yeah, famous person Jack off. Black uh, hanging out with us, also four famous people. Yeah, just you know that's what we do. We all just you know it's crazy. We invite we invite our friends because when you're famous you have uh, famous friends. Famous, famous friends, friends okay. automatically, and they just come over. We well, can't hang out with not non- when you're as famous as we are. You can't hang out with non-famous people. They just don't understand. They don't get it. They don't understand what it's like to be so famous. They don't get it. No. That's why I prefer whenever we meet regular fans and we go to Famous Dave's because he's yeah. famous, oh. but it's also Dave's. It's a middle ground. It's also really it's just a hallowed ground where the, the, the famous and the um, non-fames yeah. uh, can be in the same place without... Uh, uh, on equal footing. Yeah. Yes. On equal it's ground. It's sort of like, yeah, it's hallowed ground. You, you yeah. go there and you... Um, Enjoy your burnt ends. And, and they, uh, can, they can grant us tribute and we can accept or deny it. Or deny yeah. And, and deny means de- throwing it across the room or in their face. Yeah. We, and, I mean, we can't kill them because of the hollow ground. Yeah. If it was just any, if it was take, a fucking Arby's, we would, yeah. I would or take the chop plate the and just, heads off. Just dump it directly in with the trash. My, with my katana. <laughs> uh, Another cool guy. Yeah. yeah. Katana man. The, the, I bought it at the mall. When, <laughs> when one of y'all said, uh, "I wish I said famous days <laughs> is like hollowed ground," I just assumed it was where like famous people went to duel each other. Like it was like uh, <laughs> kind of like a like a flipsy dipsy version of churches in uh, Highlander. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. So you got like John Hamm and Justin Thoreau having a sword fight in famous days. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was talking shit. That's so funny. <laughs> Chris, why don't you do the do the flippin' intro? The flippin', the mother flippin'? Is yeah. this gonna be a, a clean episode? <laughs> yeah, no, no more swearing. <laughs> and no more dirty jokes. Uh, no. Hey, guys. No. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> so you've already fucked yeah, up. I'll say whatever the fuck I <laughs> want. You told me not to say dirty jokes, and I yeah. came unclued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
Anyway, we are the History Boys. I am Christopher Whedon, a famous person and history boy. <laughs> Sitting next to uh, Tyler Armentrout. Um, not, not really. I'm not. A, I'm, I'm, I'm less well known. But if you know about me, you're probably He's, a lot cooler. Um, you're like Kyle Gass to my uh, Jack Black. We're like you, they know about you. No, I'm like, I'm like more like an indie. I'm like an like indie kind of thing. You know, like you're I'm like doing, a, you're like a Zach Braff. Yeah, indie guy Zach Braff. Indie guy Zach Braff. Garden State. He made that indie movie, so Zach Braff. Yeah, and then he, you know, used Kickstarter to make another movie. I don't fucking know. You're not Zach Braff. Thank you. (laughs) That was like that was like someone telling me that like you're Donald Faison. Yeah. Oh, I don't (laughs) mind being Donald Faison. He's on Robot Chicken. Uh, I'm Zach Mack. I am. as as famous as Robert Downey Jr. pre rehab. Oh yeah, um, prehab, prehab, prehab. Uh, and feeling like oh. Robert Jan- Downey Jr. while in rehab. Uh, yeah, a good amount of years before Iron Man. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang though, that was his comeback. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you're talking Great Ally movie. McBeal time. Mm. Oh. Yes, very much so. You had a you had a big boy weekend. Did <laughs> uh, turn into a man. Finally. God. Finally. Whoa. We were all waiting for it. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's three men and a boy. Now we got to change it to history men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I yeah. fucked up the burning. There was on one boy one. left, so we were able to call it that. And I am Jerry Nash. I am also a history boy. Not famous. Mm-mm. Not no. famous. Uh, no, no one knows who I am, which is good. It means I can walk down the street. Oh, yeah, I'm famous for my sins, so. <laughs> You're infamous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, what th- that's what that means. Yeah. Well, he's only um, infamous because uh, when he started solving crimes, then J. Jonah Jameson, yeah. oh. he was like, he wants to be famous, we'll make him infamous. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that too. Yeah. Plus, when I moved in this neighborhood, I had to tell everybody, you know, that I was moving here. You know what I mean? Uh, door yeah. door, you know, You're pederast. I mean, <laughs> public urinator, <laughs> frequent public ur- urinator, but... That's for the courts to decide. Yeah. <laughs> right. If a school bus full of children sees you public urinating, turns out you're a pederast. <laughs> you at least have to register with the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. All I was doing was driving past them as they're going to school, throwing <laughs> beer bottles out the car at them. <laughs> and your beer bottles were filled with urine. <laughs> and you were going to school. I had been up all night. You wouldn't have done it if you weren't on all that cocaine. That's true. <laughs> Jerry, what are we talking about today? What's the history story? Enough about us. <laughs> well, today we are continuing our story about Pedro Albizo Campos. So it's part two of two. So last time we left you, Pedro Albizo Campos was arrested for inciting an island-wide labor strike. But before he was arrested, however, Police Chief Colonel E. Francis Riggs, before he was assassinated, of course, the man responsible for the Rio Piedras massacre, invited Albizo to dinner. Hmm. I don't trust it. Yeah. Well, knowing it had something to do with these labor strikes and that it could absolutely be a trap, Albizo still win anyway. That's He's like, if he like runs out and leaves me with the check, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> well, I, I was about to ask, like, what was on the menu? Was it, like, the Puerto Rican baked chicken with the with the blood? It was uh, lavish. Lavish. Okay. It was lavish meals. It, it, it was, like, a bunch of food that they didn't get all the time. It was, like, these steaks and, you know, fancy desserts and, like... You know, five-star dining here. No, I mean, that just bums me out, though, because I don't know about you guys, but 
I've been in the mood for mofongo. I don't know if you've ever had mofongo before. Dude, but it's I would love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no way I wouldn't like it, and I don't even know what it is. It's delicious. <laughs> I mean, I've been in the mood for some mole recently. Oh, actually. I love mole. Oh, mole, mole. mole. So fucking this, good. This uh, this reminds me of uh, when Zapata was uh, invited yes. to the yes to the meeting. The meeting. Yeah. And they yeah. probably had snacks out. At the very <laughs> <least>. <laughs> they had some crackers. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Some tri- triscuits. Yeah. Some triscuits. Uh, Some vegetable trays. <laughs> Hormel. American cheese. <laughs> the good stuff. Which should have been a uh, red flag. Yeah, yeah, it should have been a red flag. <laughs> so they sat down to dinner and, you know, the whole group. They talked about everything but the strikes. You know, they talked about baseball. They talked about everything. Except the strikes. And when Albizo got up to leave, Riggs asked him if he wanted to be the... Puerto Rican senator to the United States. And that's something that Albizo wanted and had previously lost an election trying to get that seat. So mm-hmm. Riggs knew that this is something that he really wanted. <laughs> and Riggs told him that he could easily finance it. I mean, his daddy's the head of one of the biggest banks in America. Uh, just doing some backdoor deals here. Yeah, and he would make sure that Albizo was set up with like $100,000 as well at the beginning of his reign basically pay him off. All he would have to do is step aside and let Riggs take care of this straight (laughs) instead of Albizu. Turns out no one was in the room where it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Albizu politely declined his offer. Nice. Thanks, but no thanks, jerk off. And left. Yeah. Yeah. Also, thanks for the meal. It was delicious. Exactly. Say hello to your mother for me. Yeah. Say hello to your mother for me. Now, the massacre happened soon after this this meal, as did the arrest. Like later that night? No, a couple of days later. (laughs) As well as the arrest of Albizo Campos and the assassination of police chief Riggs. Mm, Fuck that guy. But the offer of money and power in exchange for subservience never left the table. We'll get back to that later. Hmm. So on March 21st, 1937, it was Palm Sunday, Hmm. 18 days after Pedro Albizo Campos was arrested and sentenced to 11 years of prison, a peaceful demonstration was organized in support of Albizo Campos and and, the other recently arrested nationalists. The organizers even obtained permits from the town of Ponce's mayor to peacefully protest, even though that the Supreme Court had deemed that the permits weren't necessary for a peaceful assembly. It was done out of a courtesy to get sure. these to get these permits anyway. Got to like, dot the eyes. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to. We don't yeah. want to ruffle anyone's feathers. We're going to get permits. Yeah, yeah. Right. But General Blanton Winship, the U.S. appointed governor of Puerto Rico ordered the police chief to increase the police force in the southern city and to stop, quote, by all means necessary, end quote, any demonstration conducted by the nationalists in Ponce. I've seen this kind of thing happen. It totally works. Right. Yeah. Right. Over 200 heavily armed uh, soldiers with tear gas and Thompson submachine guns. They were the insular... Uh, Tommy police guns. force. Yeah, with Tommy guns and like tear gas. And... <laughs> sure. <laughs> I've heard. Yeah. So so these 200 heavily armed insular police forces, they, they set up blockades on the west end and the east end of the parade route. 
So it kind of sandwiched them in there. Yeah. Just before the protest was about to begin, without notice to the organizers or any opportunity to appeal this decision or any time to arrange an alternate venue or a route, the permits were abruptly withdrawn. No. Like right before the parade was about to begin. Which is, you can't fucking do that. Yeah. They They, love a parade. You know what they should have done is they should have abruptly added a curfew 15 minutes before the time that the curfew needed Mm -hmm. to start. That they're going to start tear gassing people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 That that was the correct way to do it, (sighs) right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) My blood is already starting to boil. Uh, I call it the Durkin method. Zach. I know. Buckle I, I know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm preloading myself with uh, with stories for. Okay, uh, good. For We're gonna help. need it after this. After I, this part. I like here. that our situation with fucking shithead Mayor Durkin was still so tame compared to this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But not not different. Not different. There's, I definitely see some uh, similarities. Yeah. As the peaceful demonstrators marched to La Borinquena. Puerto Rico's national song, played by a brass band that was following them. Cool. Uh, The insular police force coldly opened fire on the crowd. These are like live machine guns. I thought you were going to say the insular police force began to dance. No, no. People ran for their lives. Over 200 people were wounded and 17 were killed. And wow. many more arrested, including Carmen Fernandez, a seven-year-old girl who was shot in the back as she tried to run away. Holy shit. That's the opposite of dancing. Being shot? Yeah. yeah. Those yeah. who were wounded were also shot as they tried to run for safety. People were shot trying to go into their own homes. Some protesters were beaten with clubs and bare hands. Some were pulled from their hiding places and shot. One man hid behind a statue of Jesus when an insular policeman snuck up behind him, grabbed him, put his gun to his head, and executed him. Jesus. I mean, literally. Yeah. Was there. It wasn't intended to be funny. I I know. know. (laughs) Some were shot looking out their windows to see what was going on. (laughs) This guy's looking out his window. Yeah. There was an old woman whose head was smashed open with a club, spilling her brains into the street. Oh, God. People running for safety and the, pers- and the pursuing insular police force slipped on the spilled blood and entrails that were in the street. Jeez. One man, Bolivar Marquez uh, Tlaquia, I believe that's how it's pronounced, he, he was a national cadet, and he wrote on the wall in front of him as he died, Viva la República, abajo... Los Asesinos. Long live the Republic, down with the murderers. He wrote it in his own blood on the wall as he died. Uh, There's a picture of it, too. It was known from then on as the Ponce Massacre. And the whole thing took 15 minutes. Or as the Insular Police Force called it, the Battle of Ponce. Right. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah. And we'll kind of get to how Um, it was viewed right afterwards. Uh, laughing at the uh, insular police force. Not yeah, a t- no, <laughs> yeah, I know. To make that clear. Uh, when Governor General Blanton Winship wired Washington to tell him about what had just happened, he told them that his police force put down a violent riot in which the rioters were armed. Yeah. 
They were holding palm branches. It was That's, Palm Sunday. They were holding palm branches. Not a single one of them was holding a weapon. I, uh... Doesn't that sound familiar? Yeah. Well, I know... I I have friends who were in Seattle, and yeah. uh, the police took fire, and uh, every one of them has said it was just a nonviolent protest. Well, and yep. what did they call it? They called it a riot. Yeah. Yep. It's the same shit with saying mm-hmm. it's a battle of... Battle instead of, of... massacre. Exactly. A it's riot the same, instead of a protest. It's the yep. same exact thing. You know Schwa got hit with that fucking shrapnel from a flashbang, right? I did not. No. Yeah, on his Is he leg. okay? Yeah, he's fine, but like... Much of the melee was caught on film by a man named Juan Emilio Vigue, who lived in Ponce, and he shot it from his window. And he was also uh, the first man to have a giant camera phone. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> he was the first man on Instagram. <clears throat> he actually bought a new camera and was, like, wanting to try it out. It was just 30s, near, correct? Yeah, it was just near, yeah. and he picked it up, and he, he, like, had to hide and stuff. He eventually, like, went down and, like, shot more footage, and if you see it, it doesn't look real. It looks totally staged. Like, you see cops walking down the street shooting guns, like, shotguns at people, and, like, you see dead bodies in the street. You see people, like, like the incident police force standing above dead bodies in the street, and chatting with each other, and, like, it, it, it's it's insane. It's insane. I wonder if there's, like, like a psychological name for, like, pretty much, like, Gestapo disease. Oh, like, there, if you're yeah. part of, of, like, the law enforcement. Well, it's, it's the Stanford Prison Experiment, right? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. that sort of thing, right? Yeah. That when you're given sort of a power and a responsibility, you'll, you'll just sort of become that. Right, yeah. without any checks and balances, right? That's what it is. That's what that proved. The full film, though, that he shot has never been released publicly, but scraps of it can be found in documentaries and online. Like, I saw some of it on YouTube. Feel free to look it up. We're not going to post it. It is very troubling, and I don't uh, it's like recommend a, watching it if you... you kind know. of a trigger warning situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. There were infamous photos that were also taken, and both the film and the photos were used as proof that the protesters were not armed. Fun fact about Vigue, and this will be a bit of a palate cleanser, this will bring us back a little bit. He actually worked as an uncredited assistant director on the first American feature film ever produced and the first biopic ever produced. Any guesses which that was? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I have no idea. Um, uh, Birth of a Nation? No, no, no. Uh, biopic? I'm going to say Pancho Villa. The Life of General Via. Hell yeah. That's a great guess. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Yeah, Yeah, that uh, is a great guess. It was Raoul Walsh's first movie as well. I figured he worked on, like, a train's coming into the station. It was a biopic. It was a biopic. I mean, was he in it? Via? Pancho Villa? Oh, yeah. No, he played himself. No, I assume so. Yeah, and, like, they would shoot the battles as they happened. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Yeah, and, like, reenact stuff. Yeah, yeah. What a weird time every time is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he has this—he has this funny story though. Vigue does about going to see a, a movie with Pancho Villa and his crew. Mm-hmm. One of Pancho Villa's bodyguards, he had one eye, and his name was Cholo Martinez. Nice. And yeah. uh, they got—they get up to the theater. Uh, Martinez goes. Well, you got to charge me half price because I only got one eye. <laughs> and, uh, only to see half the movie. Well, <laughs> the theater director goes like, you know, if everybody, you know, here decided to put on an eye patch, I'd be out of business. And he goes, well, then anyone with an eye patch, you got to tell them to show you if they have one eye or not. 
So he lifts up his eye patch, and you, you can see the empty socket underneath. Right. And the dude, the theater, the guy at the theater pukes, <laughs> <laughs> and he lets everybody in for free. Nice. Oh. But it doesn't stop there. Like you make the, fu- the the theater director puke. Yeah. You get in for free. You get in for free. <laughs> so uh, That's there's a, a policy sign. I can live, live yeah. behind. So they all go in, and it's a movie about Jesse James. Cool. And it's a you know it's a short how those films used to be, but one Brad Pitt. No, <laughs> uh, they're writing at the screen and in, in, in the beginning and like they're shooting and stuff, you know, they're being cowboys and outlaws and stuff. And they like dive for cover and start shooting at the screen, too. And like oh, everyone's funny. shooting and then like there there's a gunfight in the movie. So everyone's shooting. Everyone's shooting. <clears throat> Is this because... They're just like, movies. Because the moving pictures it's, are It's moving pictures, it's yeah. It's that thing where, like, the train's coming towards... Yeah, and they yeah, yeah, it's like that. Or is it... I was wondering if it was more like a um, Rocky Horror Picture Show where they were just... <laughs> I think... I think... Honestly, honestly... Lips, I, lips! Honestly, it's like somewhere I, in between. I think it's a mixture, yeah. So, four people died in this. Jesus <laughs> Were killed Christ. in this. Including the projectionist. And oh, everyone no. still wanted to watch the rest of the movie, but they couldn't do it. They even knocked... There's probably pro- different reels and stuff. Well, yeah. And they like knocked the projector over, so like they couldn't do it. And like that's were, rowdy crap. They were even gonna shoot the theater manager, but he had to be carted away because he got a stray bullet in the leg. Is this the same guy that puked? Same guy that puked. Oh yeah. my and god! So, guy had a terrible. Could did they like, get any worse? Shouldn't have left that man yeah. for free. So Pancho Villa, yelling from his horse at the end of it, like that was one hell of a thing. He jumps <laughs> up on his horse and he says, "Quote: One thing about movies." Only people with strong nerves should be permitted to watch them. <laughs> End quote. I agree. All right. I don't know why that wasn't in our Mexican Revolution episode. <laughs> I was waiting to use it. Anyway. Yeah, I know. It we were covering a lot really, of stuff. It did really yeah. fit into that story. So, that was a good little palate cleanser. Still, though, even though they had all of this photographic and film evidence, no charges were ever brought against any insular police officer, including <laughs> Blanton Win- Winship. Uh, he actually never apologized or never did anything. When did he die? <sighs> I don't even want to get into the end of his life. I'm okay. just, he, he, here in a second, he'll be removed from his office, and that's that. Yeah, uh, it sa- doesn't sound familiar at all with the current fucking administration yeah. that we're in. Yeah. yeah. He got off easy. He, he lived out the rest of his days nicely. What so. happened to the people who murdered Breonna Taylor again? Oh, nothing. Dude, come on. (laughs) Blood is boiling. Yeah. It should be. So, uh, there was actually a congressional investigation on the matter of the Ponce massacre, though. And actually, the prosecutor on the case, he resigned in protest, stating that Winship was interfering with the investigation. Uh, Winship even had a military parade in the next year, in 1938, in Ponce. Fucking asshole. Yeah, to show that the town had been pacified due to his, quote, law and order campaign. Oh, my God. End quote. Oh, my God. I feel that. What's up with assholes loving that the, show so much? The people who are <laughs> writing our, um, our reality are running out of ideas. Yeah. They're running out of button terms like, to, like, put on uh, things. I don't know. You have things that sound nice. Piece of shit leader wants a military parade. I, fuck it. It's like J.J. Yeah. Abrams writing the last Star Wars movie. Yeah, right, it's right. Like, well, bring Palpy back. Whatever. Yeah. I You're going to see it more and more as we as we keep talking <laughs> about this. I mean, that's what history is. Yeah. Just... 
So an attempt was actually made on Winship's life during this parade. Like, several people tried to assassinate him. It didn't work, but... It's not a good parade without an assassination yeah. attempt, right? <laughs> Especially military parade. But after which, Winship was finally removed as governor from Puerto Rico by FDR. While Pedro Albizu Ocampos languished in prison, totally cut off from the outside world, and his health deteriorating, a new man was on the rise in Puerto Rico. His name was Luis Munoz Marin. Mm. Munoz Marin's father had been a respected, prominent proponent for Puerto Rican independence a generation before. And everyone thought, oh, his, you know, if, if his son ever gets into politics, like, he's going to be like the second coming of like his father, maybe. Yeah. But Marin wasn't, growing up, he wasn't a great student in Puerto Rico and an even worse student in the United States, as his father was the United States representative to Puerto Rico. And his family kind of moved around a lot. They went from New York to... Puerto Rico and then New York to Puerto Rico. They did that all the time. Oof, Washington, D.C., New York, Puerto Rico. Imagine they kind of just days, bounced around. Going by boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he never really found his place in the world. He never really belonged anywhere he went. Right. You know what I mean? He dreamed of being a writer, a poet, and living that, like, bohemian lifestyle that was on, on the way up. It was yeah. so hot at the time. Yeah, right? the yeah. Simpsons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just wanted to go to the Moulin Rouge. Right. Yeah. Uh, I like the Moulin Rage. They're <laughs> seeing that movie. <laughs> <laughs> he married a woman named uh, Muna Lee, a American from Mississippi. He had two children with her, but Maureen wasn't a good husband, and he was an even worse father. He spent much of his time living his little bohemian dream in New York and Greenwich Village. Dreamium. <laughs> he like started up several like like literary newspapers for like the writers of the time. Like he wanted to be like F. Scott Fitzgerald and like Ernest Hemingway and like those people and like hang out like, like bohemian type of thing and like so, clubs and bars and stuff. I'd imagine Smoke he was jazz a, cigarettes. Yeah, he was like, if I only drink enough, I can be like them. Right. Without realizing that that's only part of the equation. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's what I've been doing this whole time. Yeah, I'm like Hemingway. Minus the writing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't own a shotgun. Yeah. And with a family back in Puerto Rico, he kind of bounced back from New York and Puerto Rico. And, like, he, he would send these letters to his wife asking her for money. His wife would be like, I can't give you money. Like, we're poor as hell. You got to, at some point, give us money. Like, like come on, come back here and take care of your family. Baby, 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 you don't understand... Yeah. Hanging out with Satchmo and <laughs> like the best opium is over here. Oh, he was an opium addict, my friend. A severe opium addict. I would be too surprised. at the time. Yeah. yeah. I'd be right now if I had my stuff with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a massive alcoholic and an opium addict. And that'll come up again too. He's a cool guy. Yeah. Right. Uh and Marine and uh, Munali, uh, they divorced in 1938, so Marine could marry his mistress. Ooh. Well, she got half the opium. Yeah, yeah. well. <laughs> That's part of the settlement. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, not half my opium. <laughs> half the opium den went to her. Yeah. He, he eventually, like, he had a couple of newspapers he started and uh, subsequently failed. When he came back to Puerto Rico to basically start his political career because he could with his name. Right. At first, he was 
in the independista camp with Abisa Campos. Right. And they had actually talked with each other, and they were actually, like, friends for a little bit. However, once he was elected to Puerto Rico's legislative body that just governs Puerto Rico, he started to distance himself from that movement, and he actually joined the Liberal Party. Mm. The one in the last episode we talked about Albizo basically talking about the Liberal Party being infiltrated by Wall Street and, and the United States right. to turn them, right? That was the whole reason for the Rio Piedras massacre. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it, it's obvious, too, the reason why that this guy changed parties. Like, follow the money, follow the opium. Right, like, right, yeah. The spice must flow. Exactly. Very much Dune. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he rose to power pretty quickly. People liked him. And again, he was talking about things that people liked to begin with. Like sandwiches. Sandwiches. But, and puppies. but his votes are what talks, right? Yeah. Right. So when he would go to vote, though, it would be for United States industrial uh, interests so rather you're than saying a politician would say one thing. And, and do another? Do the other when the actual vote came down. Yes. Right? Yes. I, that happens a lot. I can't even make a joke. Like, that's I know. That's just a, really annoying that that's pretty much the American system. Our representatives Not don't the American system, represent American us. System, but you know yeah. what I mean. Gotta love late stage capitalism. Yeah. And, you know, after the Ponce massacre, people really didn't want to rock the boat anymore. Like, the normal Puerto Rican people didn't want to do that. So they voted for Luis Munoz Marin because it was a safe bet. Mm-hmm. You know they they I mean? recognized the name. Biden. The, yeah, they rec- <laughs> yeah, they recognized the name. It was a safe bet. Let's not rock the boat too much. We've already seen enough violence from the independentistas. So let's let's do something. Let's let's normalize this. Right. And if Netflix has taught us anything, having re- bringing a show back from the dead that we're that that book is closed. The show's over. They're gonna bring it back. It's gonna be just as good as the original. So let's just go with it. <laughs> it's not gonna be a huge disappointment. I don't know specifically what you're talking about, but, but that's uh, pretty much every single one of them. Like the, remember those Fantastic Beast movies were fucking dog shit. <laughs> we wanted more Harry Potter so bad. <laughs> I didn't. I was good. During World War II, he spearheaded a public housing like a bunch of public housing projects and a modernization of industry in the in the country called Operation Bootstrap. Ah, ugh. Now, Operation Bootstrap shifted Puerto Rico's economy even more so to an export economy solely with the United States uh, instead of smaller local markets that it had been on. So they already own everything. But now, now we're going to give them even more kind of a deal. Yeah. So you this, know? Is, this is Operation Bootstrap for yes. the bootlickers. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go, okay. yeah. Uh, and, of course, what came with it were a plethora of new tax breaks and subsidies that were handed out like candy to American companies. How weird. Yeah, yeah that built factories and... Every time I hear the phrase tax breaks, it's weird how it never seems to go to, like, the people who are really struggling. Nah, it goes to companies who create jobs. Yeah. Fuck jobs. <laughs> but they're paying them. Well, they did get that, that wage increase from Albizo's strike, so now they get paid $1.50 a day. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Woohoo. Big money. 
you know, there's a lot of people that say that Operation Bootstrap was a failure, and it really was, but not for the American companies, hmm. right? It, was, it, it wasn't a failure with them, but it was for the Puerto Rican people. It's like the uh, uh, Trump administration. <laughs> I know. The economy's good. Well, right? you know, the rich are getting richer, so yeah. that's something. Yeah, so that's something. You know, everyone else is out of a job. But this did make Luis Munoz Marin more popular in Puerto Rico, and consequently, Pedro Albizo Campos and his independentistas made their support totally dry up, ah, especially fine. during the 40s. And he's in prison. He can't do anything, it's right? It's so hard to lead a revolution from prisons. Yeah. Just ask the uh, rock guy from uh, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Korg. I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good movie. Yeah. Meanwhile, Pedro Obiezo Campos, in 1943, he was actually, he had, he had to be moved to a hospital in New York because of his health problems that he was getting while in prison. Mm. But and it... Just just to clarify, he was considered like a political prisoner, right? Or deemed like a terrorist? I think it depends on who you ask. The Americans would consider him a terrorist. Right. But... The independent, the nationalists and the independentistas, they would consider him a political prisoner. Right. I would consider him a political prisoner. Well, I'm, I'm just curious as to, uh, back at, even back then, if they deemed this guy as a terrorist, they probably didn't they have as much of a cut and dry definition of terrorism. Yes. At the time. Yes. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, like, uh, it, to to me, it's it's a little shocking that they would hospitalize him. Um, yeah, that, well, that, well, that's well, what's crazy. To well, me. well, keep in mind uh, when he went to prison the first time, he went to a federal prison in Atlanta. Right. Uh, when he was Atlanta. arrested a second time, which we'll get to, he didn't go there, and we'll we'll get to that. Okay. In 1947, though, he was finally released, and when he returned to Puerto Rico, he found the place different. Did he... He served this full 11 years? Yes. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. He must have got out in 47 and was like, is the biggest bomb still made out of TNT? Oh, no. Big time, no. no. It's TNT. <laughs> it's dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he found his support almost gone. And the Liberal Party under Luis Munoz Marin totally in charge. Like, nearly every seat in their legislature was of the Liberal Party, and Marine was at the head of it. And all the prison had really done to Albizo was further radicalize him. Of course mm-hmm. it would, right? Yeah, obviously, yes. Yeah. He's like, nah. Yeah, so when he got back, he, you know, he made rousing speeches against what he viewed as a propaganda campaign against the independence movement. He even said when Marine was running and going to be elected... He said, why do we even vote for these people? Why do we keep voting for these people? Why don't we all stay home? If we stayed home, maybe they would make staying home on election day illegal. Sounds like me in 2012. Yeah. Well, sounds like me now. (laughs) (laughs) Because when you really want one asshole out of office. Totally. (laughs) But, but... You know, it, it's like, who are we voting for? Why we, why, why do, you know, if what's we the, all didn't, point, if right? we all didn't vote, what kind of message would that send? That was literally what I said in yeah. 2012. Yeah. That's how we got Trump. Yeah. No, I know. That was 2016. 2016. No, I know, but I was saying in 2012. Yeah. I voted in 2016 because fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. But the United States wasn't going to let Albizo off so easily. 
He had around-the-clock FBI detail that shadowed him everywhere. His every move. Cool. They even pulled over and interrogated anyone that met with him. They actually broke the stoplights so they would have an excuse to pull over whoever they wanted that talked to Albizo. That feels corrupt to me. I'm just going to... Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's the FBI, though. (laughs) But also super fun if you're the ones who get to break the stoplights because... (gasps) Did they throw rocks at them? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, they, got, I think they, they just did, did they develop some sort of point system. Yeah. <laughs> no, they actually hired kids to do it. Yeah, like here's here's a couple of coconuts. Go uh, go break those lights. Yeah, oh, they'll climb up there for some coconuts. Oh yeah, I know I would. Yeah, I, I, wait, do you get to keep the coconuts when you're done? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the United States knew the FBI. I should say the FBI knew as well as Obizu that he was far from finished in Puerto Rico. He was indeed planning an armed insurrection for Puerto Rican independence. That's for the best. Yeah. Now, in 1948, Law 53 was passed. Hmm. That doesn't sound ominous. No. At least it's not 66. No. (laughs) It was known, remember when we talked about how the Constitution can be a ball gag? Well, this Mm -hmm. was known as the gag law. Mm. That's how it's known. Law 53 was known as the gag law. It sounds like it's going to be full of silly shenanigans. The gag law, wackety smack. It's before or after they killed all the Jedis in Puerto Rico? (laughs) Oh, after, because that was 66. And it was actually championed by Luis Munoz Marin, who was the first elected governor of Puerto Rico in the next year, in 1949. The United States were actually like, you know what, instead of the president picking your governor maybe you guys should decide who your governor what? is what so Go of course it was marine who won law 53 was signed into law designed to suppress any notion of puerto rican independence now this law made it illegal to own or display a puerto rican flag even in your own home oh because if they raided your home and they found it Oh, you're in trouble, buddy. And our fucking piece of shit government's doing the exact same thing right now with the Confederate flag. Jesus, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) I will torch that flag any day of the week. Torch any flag. Fuck flags. That's true. And, you know, folks, if you're a huge fan of Dukes of Hazzard, I am, you could put any flag on the General Lee, and also you could have any Charger be a car that is cool with a different flag, maybe a different name. I also want to point out, just don't touch... Don't foot torch the Puerto Rican flag. They did that on Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. No, don't do that. And that uh, uh, the Puerto Rican flag carries more uh, weight than a lot of flags. Yes. I'm just saying. You know what I mean? Some flags have become meaningless. Not that one, honestly. That is a symbol of, of people that have fought and died and well, you are still fighting. That's the thing about symbols. It's, it's like if, the, if what... If the symbol becomes more powerful than what it re- that represents, exactly, that's a exactly, exactly, yes. You have to remember, like, it has to mean something. Exactly, you know. Exactly. To this day, it still means something. This law also made it illegal to even hum or whistle the Puerto Rican national anthem. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just like our government is making a humming a Leonard Skinner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair. 
I love me some Skinner. Oh, I was gonna say I, I don't want to fucking hear any goddamn Skinner. Skinner sucks. I hate Skinner. Fuck Skinner. Dude, oh, that whole oh, to all of our listeners out there, this is just uh, my personal opinion. Oh, that's just my opinion. Fuck Southern Rock. Thank fuck you. All of it. The all fuck Broly Hatchet. Fuck all of you assholes. Seriously. Fucking learn how to play more than just the pentatonic scale, you motherfuckers. I like Simple Man. Eh, I'm a that's simple fun. man. Even the Almond Brothers. Yeah. Jack Black's back. No. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot my wallet, Rigagoo. Gotta go. <laughs> And he's gone again. Your guys' uh, Jack Black impressions are spot on. Uh, well, that's because uh, he was really you, how, you, how do you know? I've never said my Jack Black impression. <laughs> yeah, um, well, uh, maybe I've done it before, and when you heard him walk in, you go, actually, yeah, that's yeah, what that, he sounds that like. Could, yeah, that could I mean, be. I'm like, wow. That, yeah, wow, I thought it was Chris doing that. But <laughs> <laughs> it's not just Chris throwing his voice after all. It's it's really uh, it's rig- a riggedy rock goo. legend, a rigagoo-goo rock Jack Black attack. It also became a crime to speak against the U.S. government in any way, to speak in favor of Puerto Rican independence, to print, publish, sell, or exhibit any material intended to paralyze or destroy the insular government, or to organize any society, group, or assembly of people with a similar, quote, destructive intent, end quote. So... The Constitution means nothing there. No, but this is almost verbatim what the Smith Act was in the United States, which made all things communist illegal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keep in mind, you know, this is right. right, right this is the right, end of the forties. Okay. You know, red scare is Communism's up. bad. <laughs> yeah, look at Stalin. He killed a lot of people, so yeah, it's, yeah. so it's bad. It's bad. So we uh, had capitalism kill. has never gotten anyone killed. No, yeah. no, no. The Congo has never been a mess. <laughs> That's a story for another day. Yeah, it is. Damn. It's uh, a story. <laughs> I'd give my arm and my leg to hear that story. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, your buddies fuck. in Belgium aren't that innocent. Yeah. <laughs> so those found violating this law could be punished with up to Two 10 min- years in prison and or a $10,000 fine. I was going to say... Two minutes of full tickling. No. Ten years in prison. And uh, this is uh, the the two prisons in Puerto Rico, Oso Blanco and La Princesa. That which are way which worse are hell on earth. Than tickling. Yes, yes it is. Aren't those prisons like really bad now? They're, they're closed oh, now. Oh yeah, okay, no, maybe. There, there's actually a sign in front of La Princesa, I believe, that says that this place stands as a symbol of man's inhumanity towards man. Well, that sounds familiar. Oof. Inhumanity yeah. towards man. I mean, sounds yeah. familiar in general. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, also yeah. that. Now, to a lot of people, they were confused why Marine was working with the United States so closely in passing this law. Well, it turns out he was offered the same deal that Obizu was offered. You know, hey, we'll, we'll, money. Finan- we'll finance your whole oh, that's thing. Skrilla. Yeah, yep. and uh, we'll give you hundreds of thousands of dollars. But the United States also upped the ante. You see, J. Edgar Hoover had a one-page document on Marine. A whole page? One page. And this one-page document was used to control Puerto Rico 
into the 60s, I think, when, when Marine finally left. Jesus. Uh, it, what it said was, is that he was an al- alcoholic and an opium addict. And this is a real document. It's viewable online. You can easily find it. Um, this is not conspiratorial in any stretch of the imagination. Right. This is real. He was an opium addict, and he absolutely grew poppies and smoked opium while he was governor of Puerto Rico. See, that's cool. That's also on cool the cover th- of Time magazine. That's a cool thing to do. <laughs> was he smoking opium on the cover of Time no, magazine? No, it's also a cool thing to do. Uh, a man wearing a dress. It's fine as long as you don't fuck shit up. Honestly, like I said in the last episode, uh, full ball gown. My favorite, yeah. And he made he made that in a full ball gown. Yeah. And I, I just I want to <coughs> I want to resay, don't have an issue with the ball gown. No, it's the other shit he did. Yes, yes. If exactly. all he did was walk around wearing ball gowns, it's being the most paranoid man in the world. That's no. the problem. Yeah. Hold on, can I? I'm gonna crack this. Let's crack at the same time. Wait, so can like, you hand me one? Is yeah. there another one? Let's do a three-way crack. Let's do a three-way like, crack. Let's keep it in the show. Let's release the crack. Release the Kraken. One, two, three. Cool. Cool. The FBI blackmailed him with this document. First and only time. <laughs> yeah. And so it effectively made him a puppet governor. Oh, he ain't never going to be president now. Yeah. I made like three Hamilton references. <laughs> no, Obizo, as, as we stated in the first episode, was a regular at Salon Bariqua. Which was still a hub for ind- the independistas. And of course, he was followed by a retinue of FBI agents every time. But what he would do is he would go in nonchalantly and he would get his hair cut, you know, and he would go to the bathroom. But in the back, in the bathroom, there's a small hatch in the floor. Ooh, there's nice. a secret room in there. Yeah, in the, it, underneath where everybody poops. <laughs> they can stand in the poop. Yeah. <laughs> but they would have meetings in there. Like short, in the poop? I was quick, joking. Jerry. No, 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 no. In this little basement area that they had. And they would have their, their meetings in there about, you know, their movement and what's going on. And he would come out of the room and one of the barbers would say, uh, did the FBI wipe your ass for you? And he would, he would I, I, God, I forget what he said, but he'd say like, That's code. Uh, they tried or something like that. And it was code for saying that the meeting had taken place. Right. Um, Right? And so, like, there were some days where he would drive the five miles back and they would follow him. This is the same barbershop from the first episode? Yeah, yeah. Salon Bariqua. Yeah. There were some days, though, if it was real hot, because he, you know, he grew up there, he could take it. But the yeah. FBI agents couldn't. Nice. If it was real hot, he walked the five miles home and oh. showed everyone oh. his new haircut. That's fucking <laughs> awesome, right? I couldn't handle it. I'd be like fucking Jonathan Groff. <laughs> Just sweating. It's crazy, man. Like, living over there, when I first moved, horrible. I fucking hated everything. The humidity, the heat, it, it was just, it was unbearable. By the time we were about to move, I'm wearing pants and, like, a hoodie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, yeah. it was that fucking ridiculous. And I, it's I like, you know, we may have talked in the in the past on this podcast about when uh, the three of us oh, God, went to yeah. New York and we're like shorts and t-shirts on the subway and just air conditioned just sweating fucking yeah. sweat. <laughs> we're all from Seattle yeah, where yeah. it's not humid at all no, despite no. raining so much. Well, and I'm from, a, I'm from a dry desert heat so it doesn't really, yeah. Oh, we got a little bit of humidity over here but it's not a little like, bit. It's oh, not freaking no, like New York humidity. Well, it's like everywhere. Yeah, when I was in Carolina, like, 
I remember in the middle of July walking out of the airport and just being like, Oh God! Oh, now I know what people mean when they say dry heat. Yeah, yeah this yeah. ain't it. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, eleven yeah. at night, and it was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, literally walking into soup is how I describe yeah. it. Yeah, no, I, I never experienced that. No, before. no, everywhere is worse than Washington State. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we have the best summers, yeah. dude. I, oh. Iowa's worse. Minneapolis is worse. Hell, uh, Idaho's worse. Yeah, Idaho's uh, hotter. Florida's a nightmare. Uh, New York's yeah. a nightmare, like humidity wise. Even when I, I we went to Japan in October. Oh, Japan, yeah. And I didn't. It totally slipped my mind. I was in Southeast Asia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> until I got there. You're surrounded by water. Yeah. yeah. We, we brought like rain slickers because Eva was like, "It's gonna rain while we're here." We all, we when we went to the post office the one time we sent all that shit home. That was October. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was October. Yeah. I've been to Europe many times, and it's actually not never been that humid. Yeah, Europe, I think, is a little. I don't. It's maybe it's where I more. was. Well, like, yeah, you were in. I don't know. Hungary, Buda- Budapest. Yeah, right. Hungary was hot, but it wasn't humid. Yeah, yeah. but I've been. Landlocked. Dublin. Yeah. London. Reykjavik was actually not hot. Turns out. <laughs> I wonder why. Old Snowland. Right. So Vidal, Santiago Diaz. Remember him? He's the guy that took over. Slumbariqua after right, yeah, Maldonado yeah. Mm-hmm. died of throat cancer, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. After he yeah. was given the throat cancer. Given throat cancer. I wanted to clarify it. Like, like literally, they just took somebody's tumor and... No, no, like, How no. did that work? Like, he, he was given a series of injections. Okay. And after weeks, he, he, like, couldn't chew, and then he couldn't swallow, and he couldn't swallow his own saliva, and he kept going back to Dr. Cornelius Rhodes, going like, so dude, a- I got something wrong, and he goes... The injections... It was injecting a carcinogen, then. Something to give him throat cancer, yes. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know how it works. I feel like in the last episode, we heavily imply he'd literally just cut the tumor out and put him back, and I realized that doesn't make any sense. He's giving someone cancer that's going to happen very quickly. If yeah. you listen to the last episode and it sounded like that's what we were saying, that's not actually no. No, what no, was no. happening. No, no, no. It was a series of injections. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like, like I said in the like last episode, the dude literally was weaponizing yeah, cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And other, you know, tuberculosis. Right. Yeah. And other, other things oh, you can't cure. The consumption. So, yeah, Vidal uh, Santiago Diaz and Pedro Albizo Campos, they planned down there in, the, in this little room. The hardest part room. must have been occasionally... When a dick would just come through, and they'd be like, "It's not that kind of hole. Get it out of here." <laughs> no, it was pretty well hidden, actually. They planned on getting their hands on guns, ammunition, explosives, Puerto Rican flags. Hell yeah! Oh, yeah. The biggest and, gun of all. Yeah, and then stash them in strategic areas until the time was right. Mm-hmm. You know, so this whole thing, this whole insurrection that they're planning. Remember, Albizo was a consultant with the Irish. This is all modeled. His whole insurrection plan was modeled after the 1916 Easter Rebellion. This was like over 30 years ago, too. Yeah, yeah. And and he was like, you know, I I agree with them. We can't beat the United States. We just can't. So what we're doing is this insurrection will bring global attention to the plight of Puerto Rico, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's what their plan was. Yeah, it was like... Yeah, it's just like that. Uh, just like that, yes. Just like in Dublin, they yeah. And he talked with really De Valera. weren't planning to win. No, no, and neither are they. But yeah, he. I mean, he was friends with De Valera, you know. So he, like, they how are talked. You gonna, how is a small, gra- scrappy group of people going to be a world power like that? They don't. But that's not the point. You know what I mean? 
And they actually trained cadets of the Republic with smuggled training manuals from the United States to like, you know, like hand signals and like all those Mm -hmm. things, how to engage and disengage and like different types of cover and stuff. And they drilled and stuff and they, they were actually filming it for a while and they like joked around, like, like admonished each other for like their bad acting and stuff. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, once everyone found out that they were making a movie, yeah. Everyone wanted to be a part of the revolution, right? Right. So, but but they they found out about it and they shut down their their film production, so they can't do it anymore. And they're like, okay. Yeah, you don't need. You don't want. Even to... though even though they had wooden guns yeah. right. and stuff. You, know. you don't need that spotlight on you right now. Yeah. yeah. Soon though, Vidal Santiago Diaz disappeared. No. Completely disappeared. Actually, uh, the regulars that like came to the shop early in the morning, they noticed the door wide open and no one in there. So he was black bagged. Yes. Yeah, that's what so I'm thinking. Actually, Fuck. actually, what happened is uh, he was opening the salon. There was a like a homeless man or drunk across the street. Uh huh. And as soon as he opened the door, and like kind of opened the place, the dude did like a loud cough. And this car sped up, and FBI agents came out, kicked open the door, basically, grabbed him and, like, punched him in the head a couple of times, tossed him in the back of the car, and sped away. How do we know that? And that, and that drunk guy's gone from Vidal. Okay. Yeah. And that drunk guy coughing? That job He's gone. The, FBI. the guy who's, like, pretends to be, like, a homeless drunk is like... <coughs> Well, that man was a young I'm George Herbert Walker Bush. <laughs> yeah, right. That wouldn't future, surprise me. Future director of the CIA. Yeah. Right. That's how he got me. promoted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like that cough you did back in Puerto Rico? That was an yeah. A1 cough. Yeah. Now, no one knew where Vidal went, but people knew what happened to him. Vidal was taken to a prison where he was tortured with electric shock and waterboarded. Mm-hmm. Enhanced interrogation. Yeah, and they, yeah, that's the that's the, uh, the, com- the 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 institutionalized PC way of 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 saying it. Yeah, like friendly fire, right? A necessary downturn, collateral damage, collateral damage. Yep. Yeah, things like that. They asked Vidal about Albizu Campos. Vidal told him that he only cut his hair, and that they talked about the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. great. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, of course, they slapped him really hard in the head. I you saw know? him was more of a Mets fan, but what are you going to do? <laughs> well, you know, Yankee being a du- double term. Yeah. I was joking. Yeah. <laughs> they asked him about the guns. Tell us where the guns are. He's like, I don't know anything about guns. He's like, well, do you mean the ones that you got on your hip? They're right there. Yeah, yeah. Right on your hip. Yeah. So they... I only know about two guns. Boom. Boom, boom and boom. boom. I'm, looking at, I'm looking at my arms, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're doing. Free tickets yeah. to the gun show. <laughs> tickets ain't free. Come on. <laughs> Vidal gave them nothing. Although they beat him, shocked him, and they waterboarded him to the point of unconsciousness. It's like that scene from uh, Grand Theft Auto V. Oh, yeah, yeah. Trevor, yeah, it's brutal. Like, yeah. Tortures that guy. Yeah. Just for fun, really. It's like that for weeks. Yeah, yeah I know. Now, the prisons themselves, I already kind of touched on this, but the prisons themselves, both Oser Blanco and uh, La Princesa, are hell on earth. They were fed food and drink with bugs, urine, teeth, and bits of metal in it. Jesus Christ. 
And you kind of had to starve so much that you just ignored the bugs. Or teeth? you ignored the teeth. I'm talking tooth. Tooth soup. Tooth soup. Tooth soup. Tooth soup. Yeah. That's tooth a deep soap. cut. That's a deep cut, Chris. Uh, Shouldn't be. Well. It is. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And one man that he met, that Vidal met in prison, he told him a horrific story. And when I say horrific, I mean horrific. This this is a, I'm going to give you a trigger warning. I would like you to skip this part if you have sensitivities really at all, like, like if if the Ponce massacre didn't didn't push you push you over, this might. So here's a trigger warning. I'm may just I, saying this is a trigger warning. You might want to skip this. May I pre request a Zach palate cleanser after this? Oh, right after this, yes. Okay. Right after this, there will be a palate cleanser, just because. Whew. I I hope this isn't true, but we'll see. One man told Vidal a story about a man who's in the same prison as they were, who had been starved for weeks when the prison guards presented him with a giant slab of meat. And of course, he devoured it feverishly. And the smiling guards returned after he was finished. They asked the man if he enjoyed his son. (gasps) Confused, the man asked for clarification. So they presented him with his son's severed head and asked if he enjoyed eating his, eating his own son. So the man vomited and, of course, lost his mind and eventually killed himself in prison. Fuck. Take it away, Zach. <laughs> okay, uh, so, uh... My very first <sighs> time uh, uh, going snorkeling. Uh, this this was a good time. Uh, so we're uh, we're on base. Uh, we're we're on Roosevelt Road's naval base because uh, uh, even though my dad was a Fed, we were somehow still able to get onto the ba- whatever. So there's there's a beach there. And did I tell this story already about about the grouper? No, I don't think I did. No, I've heard no. this story, but not okay. on. So. Uh, so this beach had like this really awesome like rocky uh like uh outstretch uh which was like like really cool and my dad's like all right we're gonna go snorkeling together and uh we're gonna we're gonna go out that way and you're you're gonna see some cool shit and you're gonna have a lot of fun like great awesome cool go ahead start swimming out everything's great every every five minutes or so he would you know do the tap give me the okay sign i give him the okay sign he's like all right great awesome we keep on going keep on going pretty coral reefs and you know all these sea urchins and all this shit yeah and then uh and then next thing i know uh i come across this giant face just staring (laughs) at me a grouper it's a fucking grouper and i am mortified (laughs) like literally like pissed my pants uh, those are some big boys that's a big boy completely terrified um like outside of like sharks and like Swordfish, they're one of the biggest. Yeah, they're, they're fucking huge. Giant. They are so goddamn huge. Yeah. So like, I'm pissing myself scared. Well, at least um, in the water. And you know, my dad just That's you know he 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 just here's the tap and he's like, you okay? I'm like, uh. he's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. He's like, all right, cool. So we keep on swimming around or whatever, right? We go back to shore, and that's when he decided to tell me like, so uh, I'm really glad that that you. You got to see all that, and that was cool, right? Like, yeah, that, that, that was neat. That was a big fish, wasn't it? 
It's like, yeah, not going to lie. It's a little bit scared because uh, those groupers are known to uh, drown people. Like, oh. oh, fuck. The, like, they will full on, like, get, grab onto your arm or your leg and, and just, like, you. just pull you pull underneath. You, pull you under and just yeah. drown you, even though they don't fucking eat people. Yeah. They're just serial killers. They're yeah, like, I'm just like, wait, yeah. are you... F- yeah. What? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go make burgers and hot dogs now. What do you want? <laughs> I'm just like... Uh, I'll, have a, I'll have a grouper dog. You know? <laughs> nice. Yeah. But yes, uh... That was uh, that was the first That's time I went story. snorkeling. And That's I, a great story. I have not heard that story. I realized when you said grouper, I was like, nope, you told me that there was a snorkeling story. Yes. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, that sounds familiar. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, first time with snorkeling. Ah, uh, groupers <sighs> and some big boys. We needed that after that story. Yeah. I'm not ready to go back. Let's talk about groupers. No. <laughs> We're not talking about groupers. Just change gears is the grouper podcast. <laughs> <laughs> grouper cast, gang. I just looked up a picture of a grouper. Oh, oh my god! Yes, yes. dude, yeah. terrifying. Yeah, imagine seeing one of those fuckers at eight. It's like a bad oh. guy from a Jim Henson movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it turns out something that Vidal found out in prison, like how they knew about the guns, is that the brother of a man named Raimundo Diaz Pacheco. Oh, Pacheco. Uh, he well, Pacheco, uh, uh, Raimundo. Diaz Pacheco, he was the leader of the Nationalist Cadets of the Republic. He was, like, mm-hmm. the head of the army. Like, Connolly in, in Ireland. Remember mm. Connolly was, like, the military yeah. man? Right. This is Pacheco. He's kind of their Connolly, right? Is he a good guy? He's a good guy. Okay. Also, because I was about to talk some shit, just no. for fun. He's clearly gambling. I know they say that yes. those parlors aren't gambling, <laughs> but they are. You take, the, you take the ball bearings right next door, and you get money for them. It's gambling. <laughs> That's how I did it anyway, so we're good. Well... His brother. Pachinko Pachenko. No, Faustino Pacheco. Okay. Had informed on the Nationalists. Oh. He told them their plans. He told them about their gun stashes. And he told them all about, like, you know, everything they had planned. Oh, I hope he gets stitches. Yep. I was thinking the same thing. Well, yeah, he's getting stitches. Uh, he s- plays Animal Crossing and he got that weird bear. Well, there's oh, yeah. a super... <laughs> <laughs> there's a super crazy thing that happens. Like, as Vidal was being moved in a car, like an FBI car, they were going, like, by people he knew. And, like, he was in there, you know, and the window was down. And he was like, oh, shit, I have to tell them. So he yells out the window, Faustino Pacheco is a traitor. And they were like, oh, shit. And, yeah. like, you know, Raimundo Diaz Pacheco was, like, my own brother. Mm. You know, like, it, it was just crushing right. for them, you know, that that the, all their plans and everything were ruined now. And, like, they had to move the gun storage before, like, they could find them. Before right, they exactly. could go come and get them. They had to be moved immediately. And it was already too late. For that a lot of sucks. Them. Jesus. I yeah. mean, my own sister sold me out so many times, but luckily none of it was true. So. And yeah. that was just caches of pornography hidden around your house. <laughs> oh, yeah. And neighborhood. <laughs> but still, only two people knew about the guns in the secret hatch under Salon Bariqua. And those two people were Vidal and Albizu. Those people were going to tell nobody. Yeah, they ain't snitches. <laughs> no, no, no. They're not even going to get stitches. They'll probably get Marshall or Raymond. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it all started on October 28th, 1950. 
when there was an organized prison break to cause havoc within the insular police force. You know, murderers and, like, legit criminals and, like, uh, the majority of them being nationalists. But there, you know, there was some, there was a, a serial killer among them that was, like, their, their you spearhead. You could be a serial killer and a nationalist. So we're talking about <laughs> right, right. This is true. I think that's, yes, yeah. But they, like, you know, killed guards, grabbed the guns, and now they're running all over. And it was meant to, like, throw them in disarray. And, the you know, the next couple of days, they were supposed to start all at the same time and cause havoc. Right. You know. This sounds like a Batman story. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say. This is like when everyone breaks it's out like of Arkham. Yeah. Uh, Whammy Mataz. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Snake Sparrows. That guy's uh, name was uh, Correa Koto. He was a serial killer. Interesting. But nothing was coordinated, however. They couldn't really communicate with each other as well as they had hoped. It's like Seinfeld. Uh, so, they didn't have cell phones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so things in certain areas started too early. And things in other areas started a little too late. Right. You know, so either they caught them by surprise and they were able to overwhelm them before they were able to respond to other things that were starting too late. Mm-hmm. And by the time those things were starting too late, they already knew something was going to happen. And they had, like, snipers posted and stuff, and it was it was not going to work. Right. So yeah. some things were a little bit more successful than others. They, uh, they couldn't quite, like, do the trickery, I'm here, I'm there kind of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They need Lafayette. Ah, or uh, Ho Chi Minh. There you go. <laughs> That's a st- another story for a different day. So is Lafayette. Yeah. On October 30th, 1950, the plan of the uprising really came to fruition. It took place in several towns across the island. The main ones being... Now, now Zach, you may have to help me. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I got That's not, I, I that's need to look at it. Yeah. Let's, let's see here. We got the... Mayaguez, I don't know. Naranjito, Arecibo, Ponce, Utado, Uaya, and San Juan. San Juan. I know, I've been to those islands. Those aren't islands. Those are all cities. Oh, no, I'm talking about... Those are all in, cities in on Washington the island. State, they are islands. Yes, the, the San Juan Islands. The yes, San Juans. The San Juans. My wife's, uh, my, my father-in-law lives on Orcas. Yeah. There you go. Uh, hit him up, gang. You know, he'll probably give you some food. He's yeah, cool there you guy. go. I'm not telling you his name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised that, like, Fajardo and Saba and Pio, places that, you know, I was running around in, weren't Well, involved. I'm sure that they were still heavily occupied by... The United States, sure. even even in this time. The National Guard was called in, and J. Edgar Hoover urged Luis Munoz Marin to declare martial law so they could make arrests that were, quote, long overdue, end quote. And while he did that, he was wearing a very yes. respectful <laughs> pantsuit. <laughs> Sequined. I don't That's not right. Is that respectful? I don't know. If- I mean, considering usually he's in a full ball gown or... Uh, yeah. Are we I talking mean, about Jay Edna? It, yeah. At one point... Jay Edna. He's... I'm pretty sure he's given orders in a bikini, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. But, again, uh, nothing wrong with that. Everything yeah. else about that fucking asshole. So Marine refused to issue martial law. Now, Raimundo Diaz Pacheco, ashamed of his brother's actions, he and four others... They dressed in their Sunday best, full suits and ties. 
They got in a car, and they drove to the governor's mansion, La Fortaleza, in San Juan, old San Juan. And it was a suicide mission. Mm. Their plan was to rush inside, and if they could, assassinate Marine and get the world's attention about what was happening in Puerto Rico. But the problem was, is everybody already knew about it. Fuck. Snipers were placed all over the mansion, and the guard detail was totally beefed up, and they saw him coming. The driver was the first one killed with a gunshot to the head. That's a good sniper. It is. The others in the car bailed out, and they were, like, firing in all directions. A few were killed almost immediately. Chaco himself, he took his submachine gun, fired bullets at the windows above him, and, like, ran to safety. He was killed as well in a hail of gunfire. But one of those bullets that he fired came up through into the room that Marine was in, and he, like, ran and pissed himself and ducked for cover, and he's like, I'm declaring martial law. And they're like, thought you didn't want to declare martial law. And he's like, well, I'm doing it now. One well, bullet came bullet close to me. Office, so. yeah, 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 one came close to me. So it's martial law now. They pissed in God's eye, and I yeah. blinked. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bunch of brothers. So along with Pacheco, Domingo Geraldo Resto, Carlos Geraldo Resto, Manuel Torres Medina were all killed in the attempt. Mm. The only survivor, he uh, hid underneath the car, and he was severely wounded. He was, sur- he was arrested and sent to La, Prin- La Princesa. And that was my great-grandfather. No, because <laughs> your great-grandfather wouldn't have even gone on this mission. <laughs> I know, but he hid. He hid underneath the car, so... <laughs> Dude, he, this guy jumped out of a car, was shot several times, rolled underneath it, and then survived the melee until they pulled him out from underneath the car. That's slightly more brave than... He was, that's yeah. very brave. <laughs> that's done. extremely brave. He was the black sheep of the Armantrout family for being so brave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we, we're not brave in this family. Yeah, we, we sent him to Puerto Rico. I'm not saying that the Whedons are fucking brave. Yeah. Some nationalists were shot out of houses until they surrendered. Fired out of houses? We've been over this, Tyler. They, <laughs> they were in a house and then shot at until they came out. Okay. Dead or otherwise. Wait, we've been over that? In 1916. That's the second time Tyler said that. The Easter, I don't Easter that. Rising, yeah. Shot yes. out of the post office. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. They were shot out of the post yeah. office. Like rocketed out? No, 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 no. Elton John was playing in the background. <laughs> I can, I can only promise our viewers. 10% new material every other week. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be some recycled jokes. <laughs> yeah, you know, comic persona. Uh, yeah. they, they were actually told, some of them were told, like, you know, if you come out, you will, you will receive no harm. You know, so they they were like, shit, we have a couple of dead guys in here. One of them, in, in one instance, he was an 18-year-old kid firing Fuck. an M1 Garand at these, at these cops and just, like, crying. And so they were like, all right, let's go to prison, basically. Right. And so they surrendered. And, they, like, they took everything off of them, like, took their belts and their shoes. And, you know, they walked down the street, like, holding up their pants and shit. Right. And instead of being arrested, though, they were actually ushered into a side alleyway. Execution, yeah. And a oh. browning machine gun cut them all down. Like, and cut them all down. One guy, it just hit his legs and just tore his legs to ribbons. Ugh. And he was bleeding to death and he was begging for water. Because, you know, when you're bleeding to death, you get 
dehydrated, right? You're losing all the water in you, yeah, right? I mean, I wouldn't know because so, I haven't bled to death, but... That but makes it's, sense. It's a constant... I had it's food a poisoning where it's a I, uh, I'm just constantly yeah. shitting diarrhea and I've yeah. gotten dehydrated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Imagine it's... It's, it's worse. You're right. One of the, one of the soldiers, as, as this man is begging for water and bleeding to death and dying, right. said, you want water? And then bayoneted him. And they walked around just shooting the survivors and bayoneting the rest. These are National Guardsmen. People opened up their windows, saw what was happening, and said, murderers, criminals, and they were like, mind your own business, and like shot bullets up at them so they would close their windows. This is, in my mind, this is a war crime. Fucking duh. Yeah. Yeah. Your mind carries the same through line of logic that most people's should. Yeah. The, the, that's war crime. Well, and, and one man, kind of doing the same thing from Ponce, he was writing assassinos in his own blood in the alleyway. Right. And they came over, saw him doing it, and shot him, and then, like, like kicked the message and, like, erased it with their feet. Jeez. You know, like, like, messed it up with their feet. Mm-hmm. Infuriating. Uh, if if you're not again if you're if you're not pissed off by this story, there is something severely wrong with you. Severely, I am wrong so with pissed you. off. I, I I do want to say that I'm like at normally yeah. like a six pissed off all the time. This puts yeah. me at a solid nine. Yeah, I'd be at a ten if you're throwing like like legitimately like in a rage. But I'm trying to record a podcast and I'm destroying <laughs> all of the audio equipment in the room. If I was at a ten, so I'm trying to hold it back. Hold it, do it. Yeah, please, please don't break my mics. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said I was doing my best, Zach. Uh, How are we supposed to keep people outraged when you're breaking all the mics, Chris? Yeah. Well, I'm not. Albizo himself was holed up in his in his house with several others, and he was besieged by insular police and national guardsmen who were shooting through his windows. And hit one woman that was in, in Albizo's house in the throat. Fuck. And they had to actually, two of them took her outside so she could get medical help. And they were all arrested. Albizo was stuck inside for a couple of days with no water, no power. And, uh, you know, they tried to parlay with him. And every time he would, like, kind of, like, come out to talk, they would, like, boom, 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 and, like, shoot at him again. <laughs> These fucking cowards. This is how parlay yeah. works. I've yeah. seen I know. Pirates of the Caribbean. I know. I know. Please come out. We promise not to shoot at you this time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, if you promise. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a that's a fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. You ain't gonna fool me again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, five thousand National Guard troops were mobilized, along with, get this. P-47 Thunderbolt fighter planes that bombed the towns of Hayuya and Utuado and strafed the countryside with 50 caliber bullets. The only time in United States history that the United States has bombed their own citizens. Wow. Bombed. This is the United States military calling in United States military planes. This isn't cops with their, like, police this helicopters. Isn't, this or isn't, yeah, this isn't nearby airports right. that have planes dropping Molotov cocktails. Right. Well, they shouldn't have been protesting on the freeway. Yeah, this is, uh, 
United States military planes dropping post-World War II bombs on these two cities. Atrocious. Atrocious. At Salon Bariqua, Vidal was there. He just recently was released. He's honestly bandaging up some wounds he sustained in prison from cigarette burns that they'd put out on his skin. And he was listening to the events unfolding over the radio completely alone because people that tried to come in were arrested. Mm-hmm. So he was just there alone. He found a, a bottle of rum underneath the shoe, shoe shine stand. And uh, he listened to the radio all night and drank the whole bottle. <laughs> and Been uh, there. <laughs> At least yeah. the drinking the whole bottle part, the yeah. rest of it. Yeah. I have not really experienced. He uh he woke up early the next morning with a brutal hangover, but with to the sounds of engines. And there were all these cars and military trucks that were appearing in front of Salon Bariqua. And he was like, Oh shit, it's on. And no one knows about the pile of guns and bullets that are literally underneath me right now. Fuck. So what he does, so no one can hear him, is he turns up the radio all the way. He goes into the bathroom, opens the hatch, pulls out all the guns and bullets and shit, and stashes them around the place. Now, this is a two-story place. There's an apartment above. Right. So, like, he can, you know, he stashed some Molotovs and some shotguns and, like, mm-hmm. machine guns and, like, ammunition in these places. Strategic places. Right. It's this whole, my, this is my last stand. Yeah, yeah. He, like, he keeps kind of peeking out. And he notices that they're just kind of standing around and chatting. And he's like, hmm. A cop comes in with his pistol drawn. Uh-huh. And he's looking around, you know, with his pistol. And Vidal in the back of the room goes, can I help you? And when the cop kind of turns, Vidal raises his forty-five and shoots at him. Nice and it shit. blows his hat off. Fuck yeah. And the cop stumbles and falls out of the door and <laughs> runs to safety. The second cop is played by um, oh fuck, what's his name from uh, our good Candy, Benny okay. Hill is what I was. Gonna oh yeah, say. Oh, Benny Hill. <laughs> our, uh, our good friend Andy Griffith show. The the oh um Gomer Pyle. What were you saying? Oh, I I was saying our good friend Jack Black, but uh, oh. <laughs> but uh, you were you were saying um. Don Knotts. Don Knotts. Not Gomer Pyle. God, Don Knotts. Yeah. I meant it like, oh! Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> the ostriches as, are back. Yeah. As soon as the guy stumbles <laughs> out, Vidal picks up his machine, like his submachine gun, and just empties a clip out the window, just... Rainbow and like style. shoots his own lights so they can't see in. Nice. They're all like, oh shit, oh shit, and they like start shooting at him. And, like, he's, like, hiding, like, there's one big pillar in the uh, barbershop that is just thick marble. Like, no, nice. no bullets are going to go behind this. So, like, he's there, he's listening to the radio the whole time. And the song by Eileen Barton, it, uh, it's called, If I Knew You Were Coming, I Would Have Baked You a Cake, <laughs> is the name of the song. Are you shitting me? No. And he thought it was the funniest thing he's ever heard. So again, it's full blast. This song is playing full blast. It's playing and he is and he's like running upstairs and he's tossing Molotovs down on their cars. They're scattering. They're calling in reinforcements. There's like 
there's a bunch of insular police and national guardsmen outside, and they're they're showing up with like I feel it sounds like machine a guns guy. and rockets Tarantino and stuff. Movie. Yeah. Tarantino yeah, or yeah. Kubrick. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everyone's finding out about this, so like the media arrives, and there's a media frenzy. He's on every channel. Right. You know, everybody's hearing about this. Even Albizo's hearing about this. <laughs> everybody's hearing about this, about this this battle that is happening at Salon Bariqua. So a negotiator like called for a ceasefire, like stop, stop, stop. And he goes, hey, Vidal. And he's like, what? <laughs> and he goes, I, I think this is a term of, of, of endearment, but he goes, it's me, BB. Uh, how are you? And Vidal goes, I'm all fucked up. Because <laughs> he's, he's been hit. At least once. He's been hit. He's hung over. He's been over. hit at least once. He's yeah. Like, Pain don't hurt. Uh, and, yeah. And, and the guy calls up. He goes, you're famous. All the radio stations are here. And he goes, yeah, I'm listening to the radio too. But all I can get is American crap. Because <laughs> he's listening to NBC. Yeah. He's listening to NBC. And so, like, he has to sit through commercials while the shit is oh going. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, this uh, would make a great movie. I... Oh, it would. It would. Uh so uh, he goes, he goes, do you need anything? And Fidal goes, yeah, a ticket to Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy goes, uh, well, maybe that can be arranged. And he starts to say, how many of you are there right. inside? But before, <laughs> before he can get that out, they just start shooting again. Ah. So like, again, it was like, you, you know, you tried to negotiate, just start shooting. Right. right? That's yeah. what they were doing. At this point, yeah, Vidal was hit several times. He was bleeding very badly, but he had a lot of bullets. Like, he wasn't running out anytime soon. This was meant to arm a few people. Mm -hmm. He's alone, right? Oh, he's got two hands. Yeah. I do like that they were like, how many of the are you? Oh, the whole time, they're like, honestly, they're making bets outside as to how many people they think there are. They think there's 20 to 30 to even 40 people inside. Holy shit. They think there's at least 20 people inside. But it's, it's just fucking Rambo in there. It's fucking Vidal. That's it. It's this <laughs> skinny, small barber inside. That's all there is. With a bunch of guns. With a bunch of fucking guns. <laughs> yeah. I like to, so, I, I like to think of Vidal as, as your, your stereotypical, very flamboyant hairdresser. And oh. I, I can just—he uh, wasn't. I, I like to imagine him though. <laughs> I think that'd be like, better. It would be hilarious. Like being, yeah, it'd be great. Being super hungover, like <laughs> wearing like the the most extravagant shirts, where yeah. like the buttons are all the way unbuttoned until like his With uh, perfect quaffed hair. Perfect yeah. quaffed hair, but he but he's just Even hung the fuck over. Yeah. And he's like not, not taking today, sister. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. Like, also, you know, he he had to have been like, it's time to give these guys a haircut. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's gonna take a little off the top. Uh, <laughs> so he went to the he went to the radio, which had actually been shot a few times, but still worked. Things were built better back then. Yeah, and he uh, <laughs> he, uh, he fucked up the dial until he could find something good or better than NBC. Right. So he actually found a radio station that was broadcasting a speech from Albizo Campos. Cool. And he cranked it. Fuck yeah. And he cranked it and just like, 
boop, 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 boop. And like he at one point he even like started singing along with a song that was being played and like punctuating like the the chorus and like the yeah. the verses with gunshots. Cool. Imagine it was a biggie song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me the loot. Give me the loot. So yeah, they they traded fire. This went on for about three hours. Towards the end, a police captain, he grabbed a bullhorn and he shouted through the bullhorn. He goes, "Vidal Santiago, we don't want to hurt you." <laughs> Vidal said, "Tell that to my leg, pendejo." <laughs> <laughs> You shot it pretty good. (laughs) And he says, uh, you and your friends, come out with your hands up and no one will harm you. Vidal says, I don't have any friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The police said, what you do have is one minute. Come out or we're coming in. Right after that, Vidal tossed three Molotov cocktails out of the top. (laughs) Out of the top floor. On, I love them. him so much. <laughs> so, the National Guard opened fire with everything they had. They unleashed all their machine guns at once on the place, even firing their rockets and bazookas that they had at him. Jesus. Everything they had at him. And when the smoke cleared, the building was a mess. Like, the staircase had had completely collapsed. Sure. And the National Guardsmen approached it, you know, it's kind of clearing, they're trying to be quiet, and their guns are drawn, and they're terrified. We have no idea how many there yeah. are in here. And they, they're looking around in the rubble, and they're like, where is everybody? Where are they? And they're like, check for a back door, see if they escape through a back door that we didn't know about. And they searched the place, thoroughly. Didn't find shit. And then one soldier goes, wait a minute. And he like under the rubble was Vidal dead, mm. riddled with bullets. Fuck. He had a bunch of missing fingers. Like Jeez. shot him off. Yeah. Shot wow. off. Like his thumb was shot off. Several fingers were shot off and the dude's laying there dead. He must've been riddled, riddled with bullets. Wow. And to make sure, make for certain the guy that found him put a bullet in his head at point blank range, just pop. And they were dragging him out. There's a picture of them dragging him out. Jesus. Like a big fish or something. They're smiling. But to everyone else, doesn't look good. Yeah. They have all these National Guardsmen shooting rockets into this place. And you pull out one skinny barber. <laughs> one skinny barber <clears throat> against all you guys. You're supposed to protect all of us, you know? And they pull him out and his eyes come open. And they drop him. And they're terrified. And they even run for cover. What? <laughs> they even run for cover. They even said, I thought you shot him. And they go, pop, again. He wasn't alive. His eyes were just, just eyes Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like the last act, like last shot of a movie where the villain, to these guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the eyes yeah. come open, yeah. Turn, 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 turn. Yeah, it didn't look good. Didn't look good at all for him. But and to this day, you know, Vidal Santiago Diaz is a hero in Puerto Rico and should be remembered as such. So badass. He's an incredible badass. I I, I hope in, in, in our movie version that uh, uh I'm gonna 
make this reference again. Uh, Pet Shop Boys is playing. <laughs> just it's a sin, just blasting on the radio while he's doing this gunfight. I like the idea of old timey like yeah. m- music from the early fifties, like nineteen fifty forties music playing. Sure, as you're just like. How much is that dog, dog in, in yeah. the window? Mr. Sandman. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. Badass. I like the idea of like Biggie, so. Right. No, I also like that idea. <laughs> Their uprising had failed. Obizo Compost had to surrender eventually. And he was taken in. He was actually sentenced to 80 years in prison Ugh. for his insurrection. Yeah, he would serve that time in these horrible prisons. He was kind of moved around a few times, but in La Princesa, mm-hmm. he was put always in solitary. He never had a, a celly. He uh, never had visitors, or very few, uh, because there was only an approved list of visitors that he could have. So was he almost sure. never around anybody? Almost never around like, anybody uh, except, for, except for guards. Like the Count of Monte Cristo? Yes, Yes, honestly, exactly like that. Only think smaller cell. Because for 26 years, he paced back and forth in his cell. It was five paces each way. And he knew he had to stay... I mean, he he didn't want his muscles to atrophy. So he he paced for 26 years. One, two, three, four, five, turn. One, two, three, four, five. 26 years, walking back and forth, back and forth. And one day, he noticed there's these lights in his cell that he couldn't really explain. Mm -hmm. It looked like the Aurora Borealis. And he got really bad headaches. And he got really hot. And then they went away. And he got really, really bad headaches. And he's like, they're doing something to me in here. And, like, the, the prison guards didn't know anything about it. Right. You know? So, after a while, though, he's like, I'm getting horrible headaches, and I'm getting burns all over my body. And he, he would, what he would do is he would wrap himself in wet towels to alleviate the burns right. that he was developing. And there's actually a picture of him later on uh, uh, with his pants rolled up. And you can see how swollen, massively swollen and awful his legs and feet are. Totally burnt, totally awful. Like, how could you possibly walk with feet that are ballooned out like this? Were they microwaving the motherfucker? There were radiation burns. Jesus, no fucking way. They were testing radiation on him. This was a new thing. They were testing the effects of radiation on him. And everyone thought he was crazy. His prison guards called him the king of towels because he walked around with towels all the over. The prison guards honestly not know about this? They did not know about so it. it. No, it was some... higher ups. It was higher ups that knew about it. And, uh, Fuck. Uh, it was all kept a secret, and people called him crazy. The guards called him crazy. They called it, you know, again, king of towels. Everyone called him crazy, including Luis Munoz Marin. Who, who not only called Pedro Albizo Campos crazy, but, you know, that he had always been crazy. And that the whole idea of an independence movement had been crazy from the get-go. And that their brave leader 
had been crazy this entire time. And so the, the misinformation campaign starts, I mean, I mean, it started beforehand, but the one that continues today starts here. And he was actually, he was actually, uh, be, because there was, there was uh, outrage, he was pardoned in 1953 by Marine, but he was only allowed to leave for a year. The reason for this, uh, actually November 1st, 1950, days after the rebellion, Oscar Colazzo and Griselio Torresola attacked a place called Blair House in Washington, D.C. It's across the street from the, uh, from the White House. And the thing was, is uh, Truman was, President Truman was renovating the White House at this time, mm-hmm. and he was staying at Blair House. And these guys, again, wore their Sunday best. They came with guns to assassinate President Truman to, again, bring attention towards Puerto Rico. Right. One guy, before he could do anything, his gun jammed. Fuck. And he had to cock it, you know, before he could actually get out of shot. One Secret Service man was killed, and uh, one of the conspirators was killed. The other was wounded, and he was put on trial, to which he was uh, sentenced to death. And Truman actually commuted that to life in prison. He actually, because of this instance, he didn't run for a second term Mm. because he didn't know what to do about the Puerto Rican question in Truman's own mind. When this happened on October 30th, days earlier, Truman released a statement saying uh, that this was all a... all a matter... It was just a little matter that was something between Puerto Ricans. (laughs) It... It wasn't what it was, which was a war against one country versus another country. Right. And that's what it was. And that's why they went there to shoot him. Right. You know, Truman even peeked his head out to see what was happening. Right. And one of them was reloading his gun and going to pop him. Right. Before the dying Secret Service agent shot him. We're going to go into more depth into this when we do our Truman episode. Mm -hmm. Sure. It was an assassination attempt. The life in prison sentence later was commuted because of the reasoning. Mm -hmm. But one thing that no one mentioned, or, well, there's a lot of things that none of the papers mentioned when this happened. None of them mentioned that they were wearing socks that were red and green, which were the colors of Uyea, the uh, hometown of these guys, which 24 hours ago was bombed and strafed by these jets and a place that they had grown up in where their families still resided. Right. And they're not, they're remembered as these crazy assassins, but no one remembers them as somebody that was desperate looking to do the best they could do Mm -hmm. with what they had. Right. 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 So now, now things are starting to come a lot together with uh, when I was there, which we could talk about after. Well, well, real quick, Albizo was released in 1953, but quickly was locked up again because in 1954, there was another group of Puerto Rican nationalists led by Lolita Lebron. And what they did is they went to the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. and unfurled a Puerto Rican flag and opened fire again to bring attention Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Right. So Albizo was thrown back into prison. Uh, Did he have anything to do with it? No, but they, 
you know, but it's him. He's, he's the leader. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they tossed yeah, him back matter. in. It's Puerto Rican Batman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When I say that he that Albiza was tested on with radiation, this is not. Again, this is not a conspiratorial thing. A lot of people during this time and until about 2002, when they released all these FBI files that made all this stuff public. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, actually, the person that exposed all of it, that like blew the lid off the whole thing, she won the Nobel Peace Prize that year. And because of this. Yeah. And exposed it on the floor of the United Nations. And the United States had to formally admit that they were testing radiation on their prisoners. Wow. Yeah, because the prison guards, again, they didn't know. Uh, so what they did is they would they would put other prisoners in Albizu's cell. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they would start to complain about headaches, headaches and, and burns. burns. Yeah. And then they would switch them out. You know, they thought that, ah, Albizu was in their ear or something, you know. And there were few pictures of Albizu... During this time, and every time he has to be carried places, he's very frail. Um, he doesn't look good because they're blasting him with radiation. Yes, yeah. yes. I wouldn't look good if you put me in a microwave. I don't look good now. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> there was a radiologist who worked at the Cuban Cancer Association, and she examined him. She found these three things to be totally true: that the sores and albizu composts were produced by radiation. Number two, that his system, his symptoms corresponded to those of a person who had received intense radiation. And number three, that wrapping himself in the wet towels was the best way to diminish the intensity of the rays and alleviate the pain. Wow. So, he was not crazy. He was vindicated. He was not crazy. Well, too little, too late. Yeah, but it's true. Yes, in 1956, Albizo suffered a stroke. Um, he was transferred to San Juan's Presbyterian Hospital, the same one that Dr. Cornelius Rhodes worked at. Uh, not now, but right. had previously worked mm-hmm. at. On, no- on November 15th, 1964, on the brink of death, Pedro Albizo Campos was pardoned by Luis M- Munoz Marin. Oh, good. But he died on April 21st. Was that sarcastic? 1965. Oh, good. I just that out there. Yeah. Like, too little, too late kind of yeah. bullshit. Yeah, seriously. So, yeah. April, April 20, 21st, 1965. His funeral procession, more than 75,000 Puerto Ricans were a part of that. Mm-hmm. Part of his funeral procession that day. Wow. These, the, all of these things are still going on today. The idea of independence has never really been as popular as it was during Albizo's time. Mm-hmm. Is statehood more popular now? It or? is. It, it, statehood is like the establishment Democrat kind of way okay. of looking at things. Uh, there's people that, that are more conservative that want to remain a commonwealth. There's people that want to be like a sovereign state. Yeah, but right. It's like Guam, right? Like mm-hmm. Guam, but not Guam. Anyway, just, uh, uh, but, but it's not explained well. Like, if you read their ballots when they vote, they, they have a question. It's, do you think something should change from, from mm-hmm. where it is right now? Do you think something should change? Yes or no? You know, and you answer that, and whether or not you answer that, you proceed to the next one, mm-hmm. right? 
You can vote for independence, statehood, commonwealth, or this sort of sovereign state, right? Mm-hmm. So they split everything they, up enough they, that nothing well, ever changes? But there's only a paragraph that describes mm-hmm. each one. Nothing describes the implication of each one, right. right? None of them do. It's a paragraph that describes it. How, how can you possibly be informed and pick it? Yeah. So an overwhelming number of people picked statehood. And mm-hmm. so they go, oh, statehood is 41% of people said statehood. Mm-hmm. Without ever, without ever looking to see how many people left that question blank, mm-hmm. which was the majority of people left it blank. Okay. They just didn't say anything. They said, yes, it should change, but they don't know which one to change it to. Because the, the propaganda machine has been so hard this mm-hmm. entire time that literally after 1950, till now, it, it's it's just been, the United States is great, I'll be <laughs> compost, try to forget about him. She's a grand old flag, she's a flag. Yeah, yeah. But they did repeal Law 53, so that's good. Independence isn't popular. Mm-hmm. Well, I think only 17% of people voted for independence this is the last vote they had. It's kind uh, of a dangerous road to go. I mean, well, 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 it's, I a, mean, it's a tricky road to go down. Well, yes, because they've always been under the thumb of a different country. But, but my point is uh, I agree with Pedro Albizu Campos yeah. in that I have faith in the Puerto Rican people to govern themselves. Um, the welfare welfare state that is there, and the one cash crop economy that is there that is completely beholden to the United States was created by the United States. Right, right. Those crops and all of that could easily be switched over to a more subsistence crop farming. But they can't do it because the United States have control. Well, they over have that? their thumbs all over it. And actually, it more they have more per capita, WalMarts, Walgreens. Parking yeah. lots and things like that in yep. Puerto Rico than they do anywhere else in the United States. They pave States. paradise. Put up a, put put up up a, a parking lot. lot. Did I talk about that in the last episode, how I heard uh, that song every day when I worked at Albertsons? No, but but I mentioned it. I said, yeah, the, that yeah they paved paradise and put up and a parking lot. And I heard lot. various covers of it, because I, I feel like yeah. Albertsons got a deal. Yeah. With, like, you buy the original, we'll give you three covers. Yeah. The same fucking song. Yeah. Right. And I hated it so much. But that's what that song's about. Yeah, it makes me they feel paved. bad for hating it. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't what, like that song, but, what I, but hated yeah, I agree with the sentiment. Was working at Albertsons. Yeah. And I leave that in the yeah. episode. But uh, yeah, there are independistas to this day that want independence from America or the United States because, yeah, they're like nothing against, you know, the United States. It's well, just that we are not Americans. We will never be Americans. Right. You know what I mean? We, we are a different country, you know? So I feel that that is their choice to as somebody really knows only anything about this story from what you just told me in the last two episodes. Like I don't feel it's right for me to have an opinion. Does that make sense? Like uh, sure. Well, I feel yeah. what the opinion my opinion should be should be the Puerto Rican people to make that decision. Oh, I agree, and and that's that goes to another point that I'm going to make. I you know my personal beliefs it doesn't really matter, and honestly they can vote all day, every day. And it won't matter until the United States decides to do something. Those, so the votes, yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. I, I personally, and my my personal values, my personal opinions carry no weight here. 
But I personally feel that the United States needs to let go of its last colony. Well, what I and think— And it still is a colony. Right. What I feel isn't so much that, you know, I feel they should be independent, be a statehood, whatever. What I feel is that their vote should mean something. Yes. Does that make sense? They don't have That's a vote. That's what's important to me. They don't have a vote. That's all that matters. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, like, our all, all our votes should mean something. You yeah. know? And they're American citizens. So much shit is fucked. You know, the Jones Act. The only person talked about even repealing even just segments of the Jones Act to where it didn't have to be American boats mm-hmm. that came to Puerto Rico. Like, even just repealing that part, the only person that talked about that was Bernie Sanders. Yeah, right. I'm just, I'm, I'm you know, I'm letting politics <clears throat> seep in here. But, yeah, that's the only person who said, said anything yeah. about it. So... Like we said, we're not objective on History Boys. No, we're not. We're not an not, objective not, show here. Not even at all. But... You listen to the wrong show. There's a yeah. billion fucking... There's a billion history shows. History there, shows there's a that lot are of very shows informative. That, that will agree... That fuck, will agree with your sentiment. Yeah. Go listen to those. If uh, you just want the facts, there's a thousand of there those. Are, yeah. We have color color commentary. <laughs> yeah. Zingity ding! <laughs> Look, like, for me, what is... Just baffling because I didn't know about the uh, planes, the two jets that were just, or it was several, several jets like blowing shit up and bombing, bo- bombing and, and strafing, strafing towns. towns. No wonder they like the Puerto Rican people were so fucking pissed at the Roosevelt Roads uh, naval base oh, using yes. Vieques, Vieques as a. As a fucking bombing raid. Yes. Yeah, so, the, so the uh, uh, we we had mentioned this beforehand, but yeah, the men that that jumped over the fence and that deliberately blown up. got blown up, basically, because I think I think the United States drops, oh, uh, they drop a staggering amount of bombs on that island, yeah. all the time uh, per year, like like millions of pounds of bombs on this island. Well, uh, I, I uh, did when the base was still around, but right. they, they closed it down in... Right, yeah, they closed, it, they closed it because of this outrage. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, it was it was a protest. It was like a, the, the Buddhist monk, the self-immolation. The, like, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. He knew full well he was going to get blown up, but that's not how it was portrayed in the media. Right. It was portrayed I, that some idiot climbed the fence and got blown up, yeah, even though it, it said, don't, it, it, don't do it. Person, Until you that, describe it that way, mm-hmm. I, I didn't remember that. Yeah, yeah. But now I think I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. That's and how it was portrayed. Did you, did you live there at the time? I, I lived there during the protest, man. I, I think yeah. I mentioned it on the last episode. No, you did. I mean, in, yeah. Where, like, literally being on the bus to get onto the base, and there's hundreds of people... Screaming and protesting mm. and throwing bricks and bottles and shit at both the God, gate guards crazy. and you know these kids on a fucking bus. Right. Right. Uh, like, t- talk about terrifying. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. A, a, a very... Rioting is the language of the unheard. Yes. Mm-hmm. No. You're absolutely right. It, it it was just such an eye-opening, crazy experience for me. And then hearing, of course, the people that were you know servicemen uh, and women who were stationed on Puerto Rico hanging out with my parents and, you know, hanging out with their kids and stuff, putting all the blame on Sila, who was the uh, the governor at the time, mm-hmm. uh, because Sila was... Her whole thing was trying to get corruption out of Puerto Rican government, and a lot of that corruption wow. happened to be 
and part well, that of the United States. That, that corruption has always been there right, since exactly. the beginning. Right. Uh, and it will never stop until that they are, until they are independent. Right. But I think it's worth mentioning that uh, Sila, in particular, she was one of the voices that was trying to champion for independence. That's great. Uh, That's great. I mean, nothing fucking happened of it right, other than right. a crazy guy busting into the governor mansion and uh, holding a secretary hostage at knife point. Holy shit. Well, see, was he crazy, or is this a... Or is this... Crazy like a fox. Now I'm wondering about that. Crazy, yeah. Or Albies Ocampo's thing, where, like, they're, he's crazy. It's like, was he? Right. Yeah. Do you remember that guy a few years ago jumped and ran across the fucking White House lawn? Yeah. Yep. And, like... Well, he set himself on fire, too. That guy did? There was a guy that, that self-immolated himself on the White House lawn. Like, just a few years ago? Yeah. During the Obama... Administration? No, during the Trump administration. I think the guy I'm thinking about was Obama. Well, this guy was a couple of years ago. It was during the Trump administration. Set himself on fire. Wow. Yeah, it's not pretty. You can, I mean, you can Google it. It's, it's, it's a, a picture I wish I had never seen, but one I'm glad I've seen. Right. Governments are fucking up. We should leave everything to the corporations. No. I'm kidding. <laughs> Welcome to Seattle. How can I take your order? People yeah, yeah. in power are the are the problem. Yes. There needs to be transparency. Money out of politics. Agreed. Money out of politics. Mm, yeah, that's... I know, that's destroying, like, the fabric of our society if we were well, to do yeah. that. Oh, our uh, <laughs> money and religion out of politics? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I feel that's necessary, but I also feel that's... Impossible. Chipping away fucking at the impossible. fucking foundation exactly, yeah. of our government. Yeah. And I don't know how it can happen. It won't. It can't happen. Without... We don't revolution. live in an ideal society. <laughs> we don't. No. It's that explosion in Beirut, huh? That's fucked up. Also, the government's problem Welcome there. to the fucked up stuff happening everywhere podcast. <laughs> it's a history podcast. That's what it is. This is true. I have a friend who lives in Beirut. Well, an Are acquaintance. Are they safe? Yeah. Yeah. I messaged them, but and they're an acquaintance. But yeah. still, I, yeah. I was like, yeah. shit, that's where um, blank is. I don't... Uh, right. I'm, no, we're not yeah. close don't enough put them I'm on comfortable yeah. saying who they're on... Uh, if you know me personally, you might know who I'm talking about. But yeah, I, I listened to a, I, I sorry, read a blog that they wrote recently about the experience, and it's fucking harrowing. And it really is just, there was a bunch of shit. And I'm regurgitating information here, folks, so I'm going to give you the broad details, but there's a bunch of shit in that fucking warehouse that people were like, this is a problem, we shouldn't have it here, and the government just kept letting it go until it fucking exploded. Mm. And that's really fucking how it happened. Hmm. Yeah, I heard that they didn't want it there for a long time. I want to say one more time, the main source, these two episodes, there's several, but the main source is a book called The War Against All Puerto Ricans by Nelson Dennis, or Denny, D-E-N-I-S. Like Sandini. Mm. But it is an amazing book. I think it should be required reading. His sources, if if you... Look at the end of his book. His sources are government files, FBI files, unclassified files. You know, when wow. the Freedom of Information yeah. Act came out, uh, they found all of these. They found out that the FBI was keeping files on, like, thousands of just normal people in Puerto Rico. Thousands of normal people in Puerto Rico. Good thing that's not happening now. Yeah, Those yeah. agents were actually routinely let go and immediately joined the Church of Scientology, <laughs> where they collect information on regular old people to this day. Yeah. <laughs> Since the uh, last time we recorded, I 
I watched uh, Hamilton based off Tyler's uh, recommendation. I just want to say, like, whatever criticisms you have of that show, that podcast, or fucking podcast, that <laughs> play, uh, you know, maybe it points slave owners into fairer light. That is totally a fair thing to say. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, like, watching it after listening to the previous one, I was like, I get Lin-Manuel, who's Puerto Rican. Rican. I was like, I kind of get how he likes this story, this story of... Uh, like, growing well, up and well, un- understanding... He, he grew up in, I believe, New York, but his, yeah. both his parents are Puerto Rican. Yeah. I was like, I kind of see how he connects Hamilton to that and then wants to put Hamilton in a positive light, if that well, makes sense. Well, it's, well I, I, I like his idea of, like, retaking American mm-hmm. history in this way. You know, no, so, I get that, too. So for that I'm reason, saying, I like... Yeah. I'm, well, he, the idea of, like, retaking American history for people of color, you know... That's kind of why I like to play, sure, but sure. outside of that, I think the reason when he read Hamilton, the book about Hamilton... The Bob Woodward book about Hamilton? Is that the one I don't remember? Anyway, no. Anyway. Uh, I feel that um, reading his story, he kind of made... He had to have made a connection, because I saw it after, and I was like, I totally see this, like, this thing about revolution, this thing about, like, Campos being well, one of the smartest people Yeah. At well, 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 the thing like, is, well, the thing is, is... Uh, in predominantly black neighborhoods and Puerto Rican neighborhoods, uh, there are schools mm-hmm. named after Pedro Obizo Campos. Yeah. There are libraries named after Pedro Obizo Campos on, you know, in the mainland, United States. There are yeah. only people growing up in those communities know about his story. Yeah, I didn't. And not enough do. You know, I, not w- enough I would imagine anybody does. that Linnola right. Miranda knows about this story. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also that. feel that yeah. what he's trying to say in Hamilton is more about, and I know this is in the Hamilton podcast, so just connecting it to the story is the more Hamilton about... Cast. <laughs> is more about, like, he this a story of re- revolution, the idea mm-hmm. of revolution, the idea of taking something back for yourself. And by turning the story about the Founding Fathers, we're all complicit in the sin of slavery. And, and yes. he, Including he fully Hamilton. admits that. Yeah, yeah. He does kind of let Hamilton off a little bit, but I think that the story probably wouldn't work if he was like, yeah, yeah. I hate slavery, but I bought some slaves for my in-laws. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, you, you... I made a buck off of it. Yeah. So. You, I think part of his influence for the story was probably him growing up in Puerto Rico, because I definitely sure. see similarities. I mean, sure. Hamilton himself was uh, from an island in the Caribbean. Uh, yeah, Bahamas? Yeah. Where, yeah, Bahamas? I don't remember. There was a specific he grew island. Up, he grew up there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, we, I forget. When when we do... They talk about him being a, a foreigner all the time. Yeah. In, uh, in the Even play, though he's English. But he's very white. <laughs> yeah, he's English. Well, if he was... Yeah, if he wasn't white, no. like, he would never... He wouldn't be on our $10 bill. No. You know? It'd mess up the printers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason they haven't changed the 20 yet to Harriet Tubman. So like, how do mm. we, be, we how do we do it with dark, darkering guys? We didn't think about this beforehand. Because that's, that's my that's my guy who. But we gotta get Jackson off that fucking twenty. Come on! Oh my yeah. god! Jesus fucking! No Christ. more Andrew Jackson. Yeah. On Throw there, Hitler please. on the fifty. Why not? Same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. get get Grant off the fifty for yeah. God's sakes. Yeah. I mean, the most corrupt president we've ever had, bar none. Put Trump on the fifty. Well, it would be. The you most know, corrupt swap, president swap we in, ever had. Swapping apples for apples at that point. I don't know. Uh, what a put, story. Put, uh. put civil rights leaders on our fucking money. In, on, yeah, honestly. You Agreed. know? 
I'm I'm just I I this John Lewis on our money. Chris, those are all excellent ideas. Okay, I'm just I'm I'm I am. This episode has me emotionally exhausted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's because you're weak. I am emotionally. weak. And physically. I'm, I'm <laughs> only weak physically. I have the passion at all times. That's fair enough. Well, then maybe you should do the sign-off. I could, yeah. We are the History Boys. I am Christopher Whedon, the most famous person <laughs> of the History Boys. Uh, an A1 celebrity, and... Um, you guys are all lucky to hang out with me. <laughs> I'm Tyler Armantrout, regular old emotionally exhausted dude. Um, you know, and uh, that's 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 all I got this week. All right. <laughs> it burned. This episode burned you out. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, really, it gave me the passion. I'm it like, really torched Tyler. Uh, I'm uh, I'm Zach Mech. Uh, I, I am also a history boy. I think I'm still feeling my hangover from my 30th birthday. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm feeling. My- I'm feeling my anger from your 30th birthday. <laughs> Woof. Yeah. Too, too much whiskey. Uh, yes. Thanks for, uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Jerry Nash. I am also a history boy. Thank you again, as always, so much for listening to our show. We really appreciate all of you out there. And if you want to send us a, an email with a suggestion or to just reach out and say hello, that's awesome our email address is historyboyspodcast at gmail.com also don't forget to follow us on facebook and twitter and instagram you know we got all sorts of stuff there we'll we'll interact with you there too you can send send us message messages there as well we also have a patreon we have a patreon nothing is there yet but we have a lot of stuff planned for you for patreon we're just figuring that out right now we don't really know what to do just yet but when we do, you'll know, and uh, you'll funnel your money into our money. Into our coffers. Yeah, there you go. We got a bunch uh, of eggheads working kidding. on uh, Well, we have some good stuff for you uh, planned for, for the future. We're figuring so, it out. Yeah, so that's good. Uh, lots of cool stuff. Anyway, thank you again. It means so much to us. Again, you know, wherever you listen, if you can subscribe or follow or rate us or even review us if you got the time... Uh, I mean, hell, now would be a good time. Yeah, Please do that. It, 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 <laughs> it really helps us and, uh, yeah, helps more people f- find us out, you know? So you're not listening to a niche podcast anymore. You know, you have friends that now listen to us. You're listening to a five-star star podcast. you got to jump in and give us five stars first, though. Yeah. It's a chicken and egg situation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love you. Bye. Yeah.